Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicides. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. I'm Tanner Waldo-Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and brought to you by Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today, we are going to feature two University of Saskatchewan researchers who have a pair of research projects that received over $300,000 in funding. We're also going to be talking to a doctor and the dean of college, a veterinarian here in the University of Saskatchewan as well, about some more students going to be from BC going to be headed to the U of S. We'll also have plenty more, and the farm weather will be in its usual spot, as well as the resource report and market update. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM News Director, Jim Smalley. Tanner Waldo-Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7878. 7778 and brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your water well wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. Two University of Saskatchewan researchers have been awarded $322,000 for a pair of projects. Dr. John Bennett, an assistant professor in USAS College of Agriculture and Bioresources, was awarded $191,000 over three years to sustainably increase the productivity and salinity tolerance of forage crops typically grown on marginal lands in Western Canada. We chatted with him about his research project and what it could mean for producers. Yeah, and so the basic idea behind what we're doing is we're trying to maximize the benefits that forage plants can get from soil microbes so that we can increase growth under different conditions. So, uh, you know, dry conditions, saline conditions, uh, stuff like that. And so what we're doing is we're, we're trying to identify populations of certain forage species that show that they do benefit more from certain soil microbes and then at the same time as we're trying to identify which soil microbes are more beneficial for forages so the ultimate goal is to kind of match those two things up where we find you know the right forages to take advantage of them as well as the right microbes and potentially inoculating those forages before they go on the ground to increase things like drought and salinity tolerance. Can you talk about some of the goals and overall outcomes that you're hoping to accomplish with this research? You know, this is probably a few years down the road yet, but you know, we are working with a couple different forage breeders on this project. And so, you know, one of our goals is to help 
then develop varieties for release that would benefit more from soil microbes. And so this can help in a lot of different ways, like I said, with, with drought and salinity tolerance potentially, but also uh, reduced reliance on inputs, so fewer, potentially fewer fertilizers, uh, fewer pesticides and things like that. Because depending on what microbes we're talking about and, or what specific ones, they can provide a whole raft of different benefits in terms of increased nutrient scavenging, protection from disease, increased uh, you know, ability to tolerate low water, high salt, things like that. And so ultimately, we, you know, we'd like to see down the road, of course, this, you know, developing perennial forage varieties takes a long time. Uh, and so, you know, we're hoping to work with these uh, breeders to develop some varieties that would benefit more from these microbes. And at the same time, we're working on trying to identify specific microbial inocula that can actually increase these benefits more. And so I think the end goal with that is twofold. One is to identify the conditions that promote the growth of more beneficial microbes. And I know you touched on it, but after the end of the three-year research project, what are you hoping to find? What would warrant a successful project in your mind? Yeah, and so it's twofold. It's One will determine you know, whether or not we can actually breed. Um, and so the two forage species we're working with in terms of the breeding are alfalfa and sandfoin, a couple of forage legumes. And we're, we want to determine whether or not we can breed varieties that are more microbially efficient that will take well over three years to ever get to get to that point but uh you know right now we don't even know if it's possible and so from that perspective you know that's our primary focus there is determining whether or not we can do it and then from there we have more focus at to develop a product in the long run but then um and from the other side, it's just, you know, determining whether or not there are inocula out there that help. And, you know, our preliminary results seem to suggest, especially for barley, that some of the microbial inocula might be quite effective. Uh, but, um, you know, that's super preliminary at this point. And, and, you know, I do think, but I do think it is going to be successful. And so it will identify candidate inocula. And from there, we need to, we'll need to refine them a little bit more so that, you know, we're making sure that we're only putting things in there that are good. And then ultimately from there, whether or not it will determine whether or not it can be something that could be commercialized. That was Dr. John Bennett, an assistant professor in the USAS College of Agriculture in Bioresource. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. Tanner Waldo Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca and Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituma, Lipton, and Strasburg. The second of the U.S. researchers to be awarded funding was Dr. Greg Penner, an egg bioprofessor and USAS Centennial Enhancement Chair in Rendement Neutrinal Physiology. He was awarded $131,000 over two years to investigate dietary strategies to help dairy cattle deal with summer heat. His research team has been working on a project examining water quality. Our focus has been on sulfate concentrations, and sulfate is one of the major contaminants in water uh, within Saskatchewan, both surface water but also groundwater. 
And the interesting part, at least from an academic perspective, it's really a problem from a livestock perspective, is that high water sulfate can lead to um, complexing with trace minerals. So it can actually lead to trace mineral deficiencies, even when cattle are supplemented with trace minerals adequately. And if it's really high, it can actually leave, lead to a neurological disorder called polio. So we've been looking at reassessing how much sulfur cattle can actually tolerate before we start seeing these negative outcomes. Our focus has been on trace minerals. We don't want to induce disease. And to look at other ways that we can mitigate these high water sulfate concentrations. So we've run a series of studies over the past two to three years, and we're in the tail end of the final study Really, we've shown quite clearly that even when provided adequate trace minerals, high sulfur concentrations in the water will still deplete trace mineral status. And so this last study we're looking at is looking or is investigating different trace mineral supplementation strategies. So different forms of mineral, whether they're injectable or whether they're presented in the diet in a more available state to help increase ability of those cattle to maintain their trace mineral status. So the last study will be finished towards the end of August. And I think at that point, we'll have some really nice results to highlight what producers can do if they're faced with high sulfate water. Very dry conditions over the past couple years has meant cow-calf producers are paying more attention to water quality. The Ministry of Agriculture in Saskatchewan has been providing free water testing. So producers can collect the water sample, submit it to local ministry offices, and the ministry will facilitate that water testing and provide recommendations on its suitability for use in livestock. So the first thing is knowing whether there is a problem. If there is a problem, there's different solutions that can be put into place. Again, this is based on how much sulfate is actually in the water. But if it's less than a thousand parts per million, there's really nothing producers need to do. It's suitable water. When it's between 1,000 and 2,000 parts per million, it's kind of a use with caution scenario where it might be suitable for cattle, but risk of mineral depletion is real. And so then we start working more closely with producers to try to ensure that the mineral supplementation programs are going to at least minimize the depletion in water sulfate. Problem is a lot of those programs that are being implemented are not proven to be efficient with high water sulfate. So this work will demonstrate whether it is or is not efficient. And then there's another product, which right now is not fully registered in Canada, but we can get access to it through the veterinary drug directorate, so with producers working through their veterinarian, and that's an injectable trace mineral. So it would be kind of a systemic supply of some trace minerals, which may again help, but there's really no data supporting whether that will alleviate problems with high sulfur, at least in the water. So this is really what we're doing so that producers know which practices are going to be more effective And then obviously from that, we can work out the cost-benefit difference as they try to implement practices that are feasible for their operation. 
That was Dr. Greg Penner with the University of Saskatchewan. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Hi, I'm Brittany Warner with realagriculture.com. And today I have Sean Osmar. He's the manager of communications with the Water Security Agency here in Saskatchewan. March, obviously starting a little bit slower, but what differences did you see or were you able to report on uh, March versus April report for the province? So uh, like everybody else, I think we're all sort of waiting for, for spring to finally arrive and, and put winter behind us. But uh, Mother Nature has, has different plans in store for us. Uh, as we see, you know, particularly that southeast corner, um, you know, getting more snowfall uh, again and more forecast again for this, this weekend. Uh, but we've seen it across the province generally that, uh, you know, late spring snows continue to bring precipitation, which... Um, you know, overall is uh, is good for for the soil health and for the rivers and channels and reservoirs. We've seen replenishment of res- reservoirs across the province, uh, as well as more moisture making its way into uh, into the soil, particularly from uh, you know the, the dry conditions we saw pretty much across the province last last summer and fall. Absolutely, I, yeah, we had some uh, we had to make up for some lost time from last summer for sure. Um, what, how are we kind of sitting throughout the I'm here in West Central Saskatchewan, uh, right around at Kindersley. I know guys are still obviously waiting for the temperatures to increase and uh, maybe for things to dry out a little bit depending where they're at. But as far as kind of maybe even quadrants of Saskatchewan, we're talking the east side is obviously sitting with snow still. Um, how's the west side of the province looking as far as moisture goes? So about a week and a half ago, two weeks before we saw these these recent snows uh, come through, about uh, you know a week or two ago, um, you could almost draw a straight line from Lloydminster directly to the southeast corner of the province, where everything to the west of that, the uh, the melt was already underway or largely complete. So fields were dry. Um, you know, the, the, the snow had moved on and everything to the east of that line um, was still largely intact. Now, again, we had, we saw some snow in the southwest that, uh, uh, you know, brought some much needed moisture down that way. Um, just the other day, I believe we saw across pretty much along the Yellowhead Highway there, um, additional snow continue to fall. I think overall we're still, you know, near or just below normal in the, in the south and the west part of the province. We'd like to see a little bit more. Um, I know farmers are probably eager to also get out there and start uh, start seeding, but um, you know, further north we have uh, healthy snowpack up that way as well as to the east. And uh, again, the southeast corner, we're probably going to see some more this weekend. And now with the moisture that's still sitting on the ground um, east in Saskatchewan here, I mean. Where I'm at, again, like we're not expecting overly nice temperatures. I mean, they are going to be warmer than what we have seen, hopefully, over the next little bit. Out east, though, I mean, could we see that snow disappear and melt off fairly quickly if we get some windy and and warm temperatures? Or are you predicting um, that it could still be a little bit before we start to see the actual ground? So, so far, every forecast seems to indicate these cooler temperatures are going to stick around at least for another, well, into next week anyway. Um, and that will help moderate, you know, it'll pump the brakes on the melt a little bit to keep the water either moving into the soil or into the channels and reservoirs where, uh, where we need it. Um, we're continuing to monitor. We'll keep an eye on it. But, um, you know, particularly for, again, that southeast corner, the major reservoirs down that way, you know, Rafferty, Boundary, Grand, 
uh, Grant Divine, um, still have uh, a lot of storage available. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll continue to monitor it, but uh, we're not expecting anything of, of major concern at this point. Now, the southwest corner, predominantly dry. They did get that big snowstorm. I mean, that was weeks ago that uh, down in Swift Current area saw that big snowstorm. Are they looking to be fairly dry this year again from what you guys are seeing? Yeah, so if, uh, you know, folks will remember last summer, it was very hot, very dry for, for a very long period, well into uh, into the fall and, and even into the freeze-up period um, at the beginning of winter. Uh, we've seen some, you know, the, these late snows will certainly help improve conditions there. We've seen some replenishment of, of um, you know, some of the channels and reservoirs that way, as well as moisture uh, conditions in the soil improving. Uh, they're still below normal in the southwest and um, you know we'd like to see some additional precipitation come that way for them this has been your real agriculture update you can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com it's your agri weather forecast on the source 620 ckrm the official 620 CKRM farm weather forecast is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina. Specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan, call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866 and Moose Jaw Truck Shop. The number one choice for any diesel engine repair, drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today there is a mix of sun and clouds with a high of plus 5. Tonight a low of minus 6 with wind chill hitting minus 14 overnight. Tomorrow it's mainly sunny with the wind gusting to 70 near noon. A high of 6 and tomorrow night we see a low of minus 3. Wednesday there's a 30% chance of flurries with a high of 8. Wednesday a low of minus 2. On Thursday there's a high of 9 and a low of minus 3. And on Friday there's a high of 13 with a low of plus 2 and a 30 and a 60, pardon me, chance of showers. The normal high for today is 15. The normal low for today is 0. Sunrise was at 545 this morning. Sunset is at 808, or at least that's what it's scheduled for. Around the province at this hour, in Estevan, it's plus 2. Yorkton, minus 3. Swift Current, plus 8. Moose Jaw, plus 5. Weyburn, plus 2. And in Regina, it's plus 3. We'll be back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent edge microactive group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Tanner Waldo-Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers, McDougalAuctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems. Experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems. Expect the best. Renewable diesel and jet fuel made from canola oil will soon be recognized under the U.S. Renewable Fuel Standard. Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson says this is great news and will mean a new market for canola. So it means access to the renewable fuels program in the United States. Um, We have um, been able to market canola canola oil to um, the biofuels sector in the United States. So that's where you've made a biofuels and then mixed it with petroleum diesel to dilute the petroleum diesel to some extent and and provide some GHG emission uh, reduction that way. But this is a whole new thing where renewable fuels is um, technology that allows 
um, the canola oil to be introduced at the refining process. And so um, uh, companies, refiners and uh, biofuels retailers in the United States are very interested in access to different feedstocks for that purpose, including canola. And so the canola oil um, goes directly into a refinery and um, and it goes through the refining process. And the product that comes out of that is chemically equivalent to petroleum diesel, to regular fossil petroleum diesel, but has a much lower GHG emission uh, attached to it um, because of using, uh, in our case, canola oil. So we're, so we're quite excited about it. There's a lot of investment in the renewable fuels infrastructure in the United States, and so access to that market provides a new marketing channel for uh, canola growers and for the industry in Canada. Will they be using Canadian or American canola to make this renewable fuel? Well, I think both. The uh, petition was made by the United States Canola Association, so we've worked very closely with the USCA uh, in support of it. Um, So there is canola grown in North Dakota and and, uh, Montana and and other states in the United States. So I think it's in uh, 1.5 million uh, tons kind of range, 1 to 1.5 million tons on average. So there is canola grown there, but, uh, you know, we think a large uh, amount of the demand that will go to the United States will come from Canada. And um, there in Yorkton, you know, you've seen some expansion at the Richardson facility, and and there's other, as you know, um, um, big infrastructure announcements for new processing uh, facilities in southern Saskatchewan. So, um, you know, um, some some of that is being driven by this new interest in renewable fuels in, in both Canada and the United States. When will we see a rise in demand for canola to be used as a renewable fuel in the United States? So this is a proposed rule, so it's on the books, and and the the EPA is expected to turn it into a final decision uh, later this year. And then I think demand uh, would would pick up. Uh, As you know, um, last year we had a really significant uh, drop in production because of the the drought, and uh, so we're very hopeful that the uh, we'll have a normal year and we'll be able to, to spring back with, with more production, and, and then over the next coming years, we would expect uh, demand to continue to grow. Do you expect to see canola prices increase due to this added demand? Well, prices uh, seem to be really good, and I think the, you know, the uh, signals of the producer is, is a strong one to grow canola in 2022, and no, I think demand uh, is going to carry on. This this new uh, access to renewable fuels um, is one part of it in the United States. Canada, the Canadian government, is also uh, bringing forward a, a clean fuel regulation, which, which will also, I think, stimulate some increased demand. And, and then, of course, just globally, vegetable oil demand is, is strong. Um, uh, palm oil um, production globally, it, it's the most voluminous oil um, available in the global markets, and growth in that sector is, is slowing somewhat. And so I think there's, there's strong demand for, for canola and other vegetable oils globally. So with or without this announcement in the U.S., are you expecting an increase in canola acres in Canada this year? Well, last year, you know, um, there was an increase in acreage. I think producers um, really responded to some price signals last year, and there was, I think the stats can would say 21.5 million acres, which was, was an expansion from the previous year. And then, uh, unfortunately, we had such, such hot and dry weather that we weren't able to produce um, anything like that, the crop that we would expect from that acreage. But, you know, since then, prices have only gone up, so I, I think the signal to the grower is, is to... Uh, is to grow canola, and I, I, I would expect that we'd have um, similar or, or perhaps slightly higher acreage in 2022. 
Jim Everson is the president of the Canola Council of Canada. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Dagelman Industries. Look to Dagelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market in Arcola Building Supplies. Small town lumberyard, big on service, arcolabuildingsupplies.com. There will be a larger contingent of first-year veterinarian students at the University of Saskatchewan this fall. The B.C. government will increase its number of subsidized seats in the Western College of Veterinarian for the first time in more than a decade. B.C. invested nearly $10.7 million to increase the number of first-year students to 40 for the 2022-23 academic year, which is double the current atonement of 20. At this point, it is a one-year measure, but B.C. has the option to extend it to future years. Dr. Jillian Muir is the Dean of College for Veterinary Medicine. The starting in the fall of uh, 2022, we'll have 40 BC students, uh, 20 Saskatchewan students, 15 from Manitoba, and then we'll have 10 spots. Five of those will be international students um, because the the international application process is such a long process. It's so far ahead that we've already got five students for there. So we'll have five additional Canadian students in in those uh, in those spots. The announcement is important for BC veterinary students because there's a big difference in tuition costs between government subsidized seats at $13,000 a year and those that are open, which run at $68,000 annually. Dr. Mears says there is a shortage of both small and large animal vets across the country. There's a really high demand for veterinarians across Canada, across North America. Demand's really increased a lot because of the recent boom in pet ownership during the pandemic. So the shortage of vets has been growing both in rural and, and urban areas. And this announcement really is going to help to address that need by doubling the number of BC students in our program. The interview process for veterinary students will begin next month. We end up receiving anywhere from four to six applicants per seat that we have available. And we interview twice as many as seats as there are. So if this announcement hadn't come through, we would be interviewing 40 BC students for those 20 seats. And now we've got to increase our interview numbers. So our admissions committee is going to be scrambling to find more people for the BC group for sure. Saskatchewan, BC, and Manitoba have been partners in the Western College of Veterinary Medicine for more than 55 years. Alberta recently left the arrangement and is directing its money to a veterinary program at the University of Calgary. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Tanner Waldus-Scribner filling in for Jim Smalley with your market update, brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Purchase your all-weather windows with installation from Freeze Tallman before April 27th, and you'll save 15%. Looking at the markets, Durham at 551, Feed Barley at 362, Canola down 18 to 1100, Flax at 1291, Lentils at 932, oats at 391, yellow peas at 628, feed wheat at 378, and one red spring wheat down just less than a point to 508. We'll be right back after this. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn at 842-4574. Now, the latest Livestock Quotes. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Flea bringing the market report direct from Heartland and Swiftcourt. We had 1,154 cattle on offer last week with cows selling steady. Here are the quotations. D1 and 2 cows were $1.10, sales up to $1.17. D3 cows, 75 to 90. Good bulls 
over 1,900 pounds, 110 to 135 and a half. Lighter bowls, 90 to $1.10. 4 to 500 pounds here, 225 to 259 and a half. 5 to 600 pounds, 210 to 240. 600, 700 pounds, $2 to 228. 7 to 800 pounds, 190 to 210. 8 900 pounds, 175 to 190. 900 to 1,000 pounds, 165 to 185 and a half. Heifers, four to five hundred pounds, two dollars to two twenty-four and a half. Five six hundred pounds, two dollars to two ten. Six seven hundred pound heifers, one eighty-five to two oh five. Seven eight hundred pounds, one seventy-five to one ninety and a half. Eight nine hundred pounds, one sixty-five to one seventy-five. Nine hundred thousand pounds, one forty-five to one sixty-five. Our last yearling sales this Thursday, Thursday the twenty-eighth. We're having 1,500 yearlings, lots of replacements. Our first cow-calf pair sale will be May the 8th. For further information, please phone 773-3174. Good day and good marketing. Coming up next, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit secondlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid and Mandaco. Talk to your Mandaco dealer or visit mandaco.com to learn more about Mandaco land rollers and tillage equipment. Saskatchewan is leading the nation in year-over-year retail trade growth. Between February 2021 and February 2022, the value of retail trade in Saskatchewan increased by 13%, the highest among all provinces. From January to February of this year, the value of retail trade in Saskatchewan increased by 2.4%, the third highest among all provinces. In February, the total value of retail trade in Saskatchewan was over $2 billion. Saskatchewan is also leading the nation and several other key economic indicators. In February, Saskatchewan had the highest month-to-month and year-over-year growth in both wholesale trade and manufacturing sales. The same month, Saskatchewan had the second-highest month-to-month growth in merchandise exports. On the markets, the TSX is down 337 points to 20,848. The Dow Jones is down 133 to 33,678. And oil is down $5.13 to now trading at $96.94 per barrel. The Canadian dollars dropped 32 one-hundredth of a cent to now trade at 78.35 cents U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune into the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges that growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. I'm Tanner Waldo-Scribner. And- You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything A. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.